Today's subject, sanctification. Someone have Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Can someone read that for us? Um, it's one of my favorites. I use it quite a bit. We've probably read it in classes I've taught before. All right, Scotty, read that aloud. Uh, Colossians 2, starting at verse 6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Um, what a great verse that says, here's what we do. We've been saved. What's next? Uh, so it also gives us purpose in that same manner that you received Him. How did we receive Christ? How did, how did He come into our life? He came into our life, faith and repentance. He came in our life by uh, regeneration, a new heart, being effectually called. Faith and repentance brought us in to what we'll talk about today, from being slaves to sin, to being freed from sin's dominion, and being in this life, in our Christian life. And, and so the Apostle says, in that same manner that you received Him, that's just the start. It's like the door has been opened to a whole new world, a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of living, all new affections. Um, and, and so you continue in that, he says, and he's writing this letter to a church that he planted, and he's instructing them, please continue in the teaching. Please continue in the worship. Um, and I've mentioned this before, but one of my brothers, pastor, local pastor, I, I can only teach my people the first six months after they're saved. After that, they don't learn anything else. And I'm like, that's just horrible. <laughs> that's horrible. I would be so depressed if that was it. Um, and so this morning's topic is it's different than some of the rest. Uh, so you know, these, these things happen predestination and election, you know, that happens before we're born. It's not like you can look at your baby and like, oh yeah, this one is and this one isn't. It's something that happens to us that God in His great counsel has chosen a day that His child will be regenerated. And when He is called, He regenerates His heart. And, and we don't know that day, but we know if we're with Him that it happened. And and, and then that regenerated heart, these things kind of happen all at once, right? The regenerated heart, the first thing the regenerated heart does is because it's a new heart, the stone is gone, it, it, it cries out to its Savior, have mercy on me, forgive me, receive me, I, I, I submit myself to you. So these things are kind of like a light switch, right? It's not, uh, it's not I spend a year in regeneration and then four years in faith and then I finally repent. Um, this faith and repentance and regeneration happen in a, in a moment. In that moment that those things happen, we are justified, we are declared righteous before God, and we are adopted. We become part of His family immediately. And that's where we left off last week in adoption. Now, in your notes, I have put, uh, we've reviewed that, was, is, can, and will. Remember, those are kind of the four, maybe the four times that we can think as a, as a Christian thinks over uh, eternity, was creation. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. Was the, the, the nature of the human heart is to get back to that. Was. 
Oh, we were in perfect relationship. There wasn't sin. There wasn't enmity. Uh, man and woman were together as one. They were worshiping the Lord. They were walking with Him. There wasn't any shame. There wasn't any sin. Um, you know that all these human hearts, we just absolutely, we want that back. And that's why, uh, that's why repentance faith isn't enough. That's why justification is not enough. Um, this longing for adoption, even being adopted, is not enough. We long to be glorified, which is the very last one. We'll get there. We long to be glorified. We just long to be better. Um, and so, was, is, is where we live now. And so you can even look at it in that chart that's in your notes. I, I, I put this chart in there. You can see my fine computer skills in your notes. Um, I don't have this red line. I couldn't figure out how to do that. Uh, but, um, was. We all at one time were slaves to sin. We were not free. And so when we talk about free will and choosing God, the Scriptures teach you know, that we are slaves to sin. We are freed from sin when uh, He calls us and regenerates our heart. We're freed from sin. And so indeed, uh, the believer does make a choice, but it's really that moment where we're free. All the rest of humanity are slaves. They're slaves to sin. We'll talk about that a little bit more uh, going forward. Um, and so is and can is in this, this, this section here. This is our mortal life. Is and can, our mortal life after we have been converted. And so what we're going to talk about is what goes on in here. And we call that sanctification. Becoming pure. Becoming like Christ. And, and it's important that we grasp that that's the purpose that's why God doesn't save us and then immediately take us to heaven. There, there, there's an absolute purpose for every day of your life as a believer. Um, and, and so sometimes you and I, we may tend to think, I'm saved, I'm good. Let me live my life as enjoyable and as self-centered as I want, as long as I don't sin openly and people aren't mad at me. As opposed to, God is passionately pursuing me to make me like that which I'm supposed to love, like His Son. He is passionately, he's laying everything in my life in, in order that I might become more and more like his son. He is slowly washing and cleansing me. Um, and so that's what sanctification is. So it's, it's a little bit different. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, yeah, I'm at, I'm at definitions. Let's, let's do that. I have that um, quote by Richard. Is it Sibs or Sibs? It's Sibes, according to our local Puritan expert, <laughs> Richard Sibes. Any more giggling, you're going to be a bruise reed. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I, I think I want to start about this because this is where I get. Let us not be discouraged at the small beginnings of grace. All right, brothers and sisters. The, the enemy longs to do that. The en you know what the enemy longs to do? The enemy longs to have us look at our sanctification as the reason we're justified. The enemy longs to have you to call to account always. What is the enemy called? The accuser of the brethren. And he longs to say, to hold our adoption and our sanctification in question because of the lack of justification. I'm sorry. He, <laughs> to hold our justification in question because of the lack of sanctification. All right, well, let me go back to this definition. The Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 13, 
uh, says this. They who are effectually called and regenerated, having a new heart and a new spirit in them, are further sanctified, really and personally, through the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection, by His Word and Spirit dwelling in them. The dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed, and the servile lusts thereof are more and more weakened and mortified. They are more and more quickened and strengthened in all saving grace to the practice of true holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. The second paragraph. This sanctification is throughout in the whole man, yet imperfect in this life. That's why I have this line drawn here, and we'll go over that in a minute. But um, it, it's imperfect in this life. Um, <laughs> that's why we'll always have a confession of sin in our worship. That's why I can always ask Bo to lead it. <laughs> I can always ask Jake to lead it. Uh, because I know that in this life, as it says in Colossians 2, we will continue this process of faith and repentance and faith and repentance. Um, yet imperfect in this life, there abides still some remnants of corruption in every part. Wherefore, it arises a continual and irreconcilable war, the flesh lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. We'll see this, especially when we get to Romans 6, 7, and 8. So a lot of the text that I have quoted in our notes out of Romans 6. So uh, just so you know, this is systematic theology. The biblical theology and, and Paul's argument of it uh, is really fleshed out in 6, 7, and 8. So we'll get there sometime in 2023. Uh, chapter 3, in which war, this war against the flesh by the Spirit, although the remaining corruption for a time may such prevail, yet through the continual supply of strength from the sanctifying Spirit of Christ, the regenerate part overcomes, and the saints grow in grace, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So that's what our Westminster Confession defines as sanctification. I might have Wayne Grudem's definition in there for you. It's a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and like Christ in our actual lives. So sanctification means holiness, and holiness, uh, it appears more than 830 times in the Old Testament. It is something that God is, and it is something that He is passionate about. He is passionate about holiness, and we should too. We should pursue it, as Jerry Bridges says. It should be the pursuit of our life. We should raise our children. The pursuit of your life is holiness, to be whole. Now, there's, holiness has two aspects to it. In the Old Testament, we see it quite a bit, this withdrawal, this separation from anything common and unclean, people, food, animals, places, corpses, <laughs> uh, diseases, uh, to be holy and to be separate. Tammy's teaching some of your kids this morning on Daniel 1. Why was it important that they, they, they did not eat the food provided for them to be a separate people, to be a people that relied on God for everything? But there's also this consecration, this set apart to what is divine. Um, and so um, when, when we read about the tabernacle, items being set apart. And so as a holy people, when we are justified legally, we are declared righteous, but we are not actually righteous. We're declared. It, it's this declarative statement in the courtroom of God. You are righteous, not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ has done for you. 
Holiness applied to God, we see it in His separation from and a transcendency over all of His creation and otherness of God, but also His ethical spotlessness. God is morally absolutely pure. His character is pure and upright. And therefore, we can trust Him. I was working this week on the... Um, the my son Luke is getting remarried on December 31st. And um, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, and I'm, I'm working on a, my, my message uh, to he and Rachel, just maybe 12 or 15 of us. And, and the one thing I want to say is trust God. One thing I just want to, I, I want to get before all of it, before I even open the word is, uh, this word means nothing to you if you don't trust God. You have just got to trust him above yourself, above your feelings, above your own intellect, above the culture. You're just to trust him. And so when we talk about his attributes, holy, pure, righteous, good in all he does, perfect in all his ways, faithful to the faithless, um, this, this sense that, that our God is, is pure and spotless and holy, and he will make us that way. He will make us that way. And we, we, we get to partake in that work in this life. In Exodus 3, verse 4 and 5, The Lord saw, and he turned aside to see. God called to him out of the bush, Moses. Moses said, Here I am. He said, Don't come near. Take your sandals off your feet. The place on which you are standing is holy ground. God lives in perfect holiness. When we talk about him being a, a consuming fire, it is a consuming fire of righteousness and goodness. In Leviticus, I, the Lord your God, consecrate yourselves, therefore. Be holy, for I am holy. Don't defile yourself with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground, the dietary laws. I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall be holy, for I am holy. Holiness is also applied to objects and institutions. We talked about that priestly vestments, uh, the church. It is applied uh, to humanity. Um, human beings become clean or unclean through this work of Christ. In 1 Peter uh, 1, 13-16, he says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, so also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So, uh, you know, I, I harp on two illustrations here at church, right? I haven't, I haven't talked about this one in at least a couple of weeks. But, you know, the old pickups as you go to Monkey Island, right? That's why I have a picture of an old pickup in my office. It's a reminder as I look it up as I'm thinking, here's where we are, Lord. Uh, we may be here, or we may have dropped a little bit this week. Who knows? But but we are, in some sense, um, uh, we have we have this image of who we are to be. But it's fallen. It's rusted. It's infested with wasps, and it doesn't work. It's not yet what it will be. And of course, in the other one is that stump. Now, since last week, you know that stump with the branch growing out of it. I mean, what a beautiful picture. Uh, God humbles in order to build up. Um, so. Uh, Scriptural support, I'll use it all throughout. Um, 
that was left over from last week's outline, so I'll, I'll reference different scriptures as we work through it. But Ephesians 1 is really good for this whole order of salvation. It's kind of where it, where it kind of is crystallized in our thinking when it gets to verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So he's talking about this was God's purpose in saving a people. It wasn't just to rescue them from his wrath. It was to make them, as he does all things, beautiful. Um, you know, that, that song, you make all things beautiful and I'm yours. You know, what a beautiful, simple truth. God makes all things beautiful and I belong to you. Um, now, the order as distinct from justification. Uh, do I have that in your notes? Legal standing, internal condition? Okay. Um, so I've, I've briefly talked about that already, but it's important that we get that. Again, one of the reasons we, we talk about this order, there are different things going on. At justification, our legal standing is righteous, not just forgiven, it's righteous. In sanctification, our internal condition, from, from what, we are, what we are judged in the courtroom of God to what we are becoming. So our internal, God is working to make it be what we were declared. You're declared righteous, but you're not actually righteous. It's so important that we grasp that, because Christians who don't grasp that are defensive of their own sins. They're self-righteous. Uh, when the world looks at a Christian and says, that guy claims to be a Christian, and look what he did to those poor girls. Like, yeah. So he must not be a Christian. Uh, I don't know if he's a Christian. But if you read the Bible, Christians have a history of doing awful things. They're declared righteous. They're not made righteous in this life. And probably, maybe, why that person is caught is because God is adamant about that person's holiness. And he's not going to let him get away with it. That's that beautiful story in Samuel. What Samuel, what David did, displeased the Lord. He got away with it. And think about the turmoil and the upheaval that his sin becoming public did to, the, to his family. God says, whatever. Uh, David, I am not going to let that go. I am, I am passionate for who you are. Um, so sanctification is that internal condition. And it is painful. And it is hard. And it is work. But it is also worth it. It's worth it. We may not get to it today, but the, 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 blessing, the blessings and the benefits of sanctification... We need to hold that out in front of us because sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, you're like, okay, Jesus, can you work on someone else for a while? 2022 has been a rough one, you know? Um, I, I, I know you love me. Can you love me just a little less in 2023? What about them? They really need you. You know, I mean, I, maybe, maybe you're that way, but, it, but it, 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 it's this, I don't want to let go of something that I feel I have to have or I need that is precious to me, that defines me. Uh, I don't want to let go of that as he wrestles it out of my fingers and says, this is not your God. This will not save you. Let it have its right place. Don't let it have first place. Um, justification is once for all time. So when Paul points to it all time, you were justified. Bam, it was done. You were justified. Now, we uh, like to look at how we know when that actually happened. Um, that's another conversation. But, but when we are regenerated and faith and repentance shows up and we we uh, surrender ourselves to God. 
we put our trust in Christ, you're justified. And, and it happens once. Uh, sanctification is this continuous thing throughout life. And so that's why I have that red line. That's our life line right there. Uh, it was, we were slaves to sin. We were in no, no chance of becoming holy. Um, at, at salvation, bam, we are now freed from sin's dominion. Uh, one of the, we'll probably talk about this too, but one of the uh, obvious glaring things about this is when, when a person is, isn't a Christian, we shouldn't expect to see the sanctification going on. Right? We shouldn't, like, I mean, they may do some things because they want to be a good person, but really they're serving themselves or they're serving culture around them. Um, so, uh, dogs, good to see you. <laughs> um, uh, justification, it's entirely God's work. Um, so, um, that's been pounded on you if you've been coming to class by Scotty and myself. It's a monergistic God Himself saves sinners. In sanctification, we cooperate. We now have freedom. We now have the Spirit living in us. It's been deposited to us, and we cooperate. You know, my famous story about sanctification and cooperation is um, the, the guy I was just visiting in Mississippi, uh, and we were, we were planting a, a, a green field, as they call it, in Mississippi, in order to feed the deer so that you can kill the deer. Um, it's a wonderful thing we do for all of nature so we can kill nature. Uh, <laughs> and, and we had just fertilized it, and this mist came, and he's like, oh, this is perfect. You know, It'll break down that nitrogen, it'll get in the soil, but it's not, it's not a heavy rain, it's going to wash it down into the creek. And I said, well, that's because you know, I had my quiet time this morning. And he said, oh, so you think that'll make God love you more? And this is important. That's why I've said it over and over. And you're like, oh, Rev, there's that story again. I said, no, of course not. But it may make me love him more. And so when we think about our sanctification and what is on our plate to do, our God has laid out his word. He's laid out the sacraments. He's laid out worship and the church and fellowship. And he said, drink deeply of these things. These are the means where you will receive my grace. I've given you the word. Um, I, I lay it all before you that you will love me more. As we talk about in Hosea, the, the cure for a church that has been seduced by the world is, is not less love. It's a right and pure and truer love. It's not a different spouse. It's our ultimate spouse. So um, justification, entirely God's work. Sanctification, we cooperate. We'll talk about that. Justification is perfect in this life. The beautiful thing about justification, we are declared righteous and, and in this life, before God, righteous. Uh, sanctification is not perfected in this life. It's perfected, as you see there, uh, after death. And we'll get to that when we get to glorification. Justification, the same in all Christians. Right? We come to this table, and I call it the great equalizer. Right? We come to this table after worship. No matter how long you have worshipped God, no matter how long you have been His, or what you've done this week, it's the great equalizer. We stand and rely and rest on Christ. So justification is the same in all believers. Sanctification is greater in some than in others. And, um, and, 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 and you'll see it. We are tempted to fake it in our Christian circles. Um, but, but there are those that are purer and holier than thou. It's, <laughs> it, 
It's the truth. You know what you'll find in those people? You'll walk away from those people. I love it what Tim Keller says. You'll walk away from those people and you'll think, why were they so interested in me? What you'll find in people who are sanctified is a greater dose of humility. The further you're closer to Christ, the more you understand him. He will make you more and more humble. Um, oh, time's out. All right, we're going to, next week we'll start there with the three stages of sanctification. Uh, any questions? <laughs> I think that's page three of my notes. I have seven pages, y'all. Um, but let me just say one more thing. Well, who knows how many more things I'll say. Um, but that's what we're doing this morning. All right? You're invited as we come into worship. You're engaging yourself and the freedom that Christ has given you and the spirit that he has deposited in you if you belong to him. You are engaging yourself in this work of sanctification. And so when we work through our liturgy uh, and there is a call to confession and there is repentance and there is worship, we are, we are in this process here of we are pointing out what we are not yet like. We are, um, and so, uh, I'm, uh, that's one of the reasons I'm adamant about God's people being regular in worship is it's, it's one of these great gifts where he says, gather with my people, with my family, with my adopted family. Gather with them that you might know me deeper. Um, because in, in, in knowing him, we are sanctified. Let me pray for us. Father, uh, thank you for showing us this work that we might not be discouraged. I know there have been points in my life where I think, I've been with you so long. Are you still patient with me? Periods in my own life where something will show up as sinful or something that I feel like I've, I've put that particular sin, that particular worry, that particular idol... I have shattered it. You shattered it for me. You brought it out and you showed it as powerless. And, and I shattered it and then I've run right back to it. Thank you, Father, for your patience. Thank you, Father, for sending your spirit. Thank you, Father, for where we get to be on this side of your history. We can look back at Christ. We have a picture in flesh and blood of what holiness is. And we have a picture beyond all others of how much you love us. Indeed, Father, in our lives with one another, once our love is tested, that's when we know how deep it is. Once we're not delightful to those we are around and they receive us, we know what love is. Father, will you make us those people? Will you sanctify us through and through? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>